Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Before we start this week's podcast, a big thank you to ELM Legal Services, who are based in Bristol and provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK. You can get a standard single will for £99. If you'd like to get in touch, call them 0800 019 Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen, Gregor McGregor, our Bristol City reporter. And special guest this week is Adam Baker. It's been a busy transfer deadline day. Bristol City have been busy today as well. So we've got Adam on, who was the media officer at Bristol City. Gregor will be chatting to him during this episode all about the ins and outs of Bristol City, what he's made of Bristol City in their first game, of course, against Nottingham Forest, which they drew at the weekend, and how this season is looking for Bristol City. So, Gregor, over to you. So, hi, Michelle. I'm sat here, yeah, with Adam Baker, um, our guest on the Robins on the Wire podcast today. And, uh, yeah, I, I have to say, he's probably one of the most insightful people we could have on the uh, podcast, given his background, of course. Delight to have him on. Uh, so, Adam, yeah, what have you been up to? Well, um, having a nice break over the summer, and, and for the first time in 17 years, um, a deadline day where I'm not uh, waiting until 11 p.m. midnight for signings that don't happen, um, or late night signings that do happen. Um, so it's been quite relaxing actually. You've been able to watch Sky Sports News today um, and, and just enjoy it and see your live blog and, and everything that's happened. And um, I don't think there are many surprises today, um, but it's been enjoyable. You took in the first game last week, didn't you, on the team? And what are your initial thoughts on? City this season then from what you've seen I think you took in the uh, Bournemouth game as well is that right? Yeah I saw the Bournemouth game the pre-season match and obviously was there on Saturday um, popped into Sports Club and Trust Bar and saw a few friendly faces there and then sat in the Dolman in the sunshine enjoying the opening day of the season and um, thought Bristol City played well in the first half and, and the second half Nottingham Forest showed a bit of um, potential I suppose for what they've got this season I think they're going to be a good side and, and they'll be up there come the end of this season um, with the money they've spent in the summer but yeah I thought it was a I suppose the old fashioned game of two halves wasn't it and um, Bristol City could have perhaps two or three in the first half they got the, the one they had the one cleared off the line um, but I think overall a positive start against what I actually thought was probably one of the trickier opening day fixtures they could have faced do you see that game um, Forest against West Brom the other night? Yeah, I caught a bit of that actually. Um, I saw more of the first half than the second half, sadly, when all the action was in the second half. But I've seen the highlights from it, and like I say, I think I think Forest are, are looking good, and, and even West Brom actually, after their um, their miserable opening day, um, it's going to take them a bit of time as well. Um, but there, there are some good teams in this league again. Yeah, it's always always tough, isn't it? The Championship, and yeah, cliche that anyone can beat anyone on their day, but we've already seen some of that. Um, what did you make of some of the existing players before we come on to the new guys and the, uh, the outgoing guys what did you make of uh, some of the existing guys like Nicholas Eliasson who's I've seen quite a bit of over pre-season and he's been great uh, then so I was interested to see if he could take that form into the championship and I thought he had a, a decent first half on Saturday obviously got the assist for the goal um, and he had several good runs a couple of really good breaks in midfield maybe faded a little bit if I'm being harsh in, in the second half but um, certainly something to build on yeah he had a very good pre-season uh, a bit like Bobby Reid had a good pre-season uh, last year and you have to try and take that into the, the real campaign when it begins and yeah I thought he was very very lively first half um, I'll, I'll throw it right back to the start of pre-season I suppose if you'd said to Lee Johnson um, subject to signings of course what is your 
in your head what would be your starting 11 I'd, I'd wager quite a lot of money that Nicholas Eliasson probably wouldn't be anywhere near that starting 11 but the, the performances he's put in in pre-season has propelled him into that uh, role uh, and he's got the start on the opening day and I don't think he'd disgrace himself in any way shape or form as you say got the assist I thought his uh, set pieces the corners he put in were extremely dangerous and uh, led to the you know pack off the line as well um, so he, he's certainly one who has developed in the last 12 months um, and I mean we'll get on to some of the outgoings but you know you, you see the likes of George who's moved on Magnus and who, who, who's moved on Garita moved on um, the players brought in from, from foreign lands uh, Engvall of course as well um, those guys struggle to, to break through or hold down a regular place Nicholas last season had to, to make do a, a bit part sort of role um, this time it, it, he could be the one that perhaps breaks through I think and uh, he certainly started off as he means to go on I suppose yeah um, got to speak to him on Thursday as well sorry Wednesday in the pre-match press conference and um, yeah he, he, he was basically passing on the message that he feels really comfortable and he's settled now at Bristol City I think he's been in the gym a fair bit bulking up and uh, yeah maybe yeah getting ready for the new championship season that way and um, yeah hopefully it continues and he can take that on but I just wanted to ask you about like Lee Johnson from what you know of him is Lee the sort of manager who will honestly assess players and let them fight it out for the shirt and maybe depend and um, the maybe make a decision in terms of his selection from the training pitch or do you think he's more of a manager who will have a settled 11 in his mind and it'll be tough to deviate from that um, I think any manager would like that sort of settled 11 um, I remember when actually when his dad Gary Johnson was in charge um, it was sort of his ideology that a, a player has to win the shirt and when they've got the shirt it's for them to keep performing or they'll lose it and I think any manager will want that in their mind I mean I suppose the only as I reflect back on the Larson one you, you probably in the back of your mind were thinking maybe Nicholas needs six months on loan somewhere in England to, to really play regularly um, all of a sudden now he's started so well in, in pre-season I think Lee had to pick him because he'd done so well and you have to reward someone who's performing at that level even if it's in a pre-season game um, to go into to the real thing and, and the fact that he performed so well again uh, on Saturday I agree with you I think in the second half he but also a lot of, of the other players faded maybe in the, the hot sunshine or, or maybe because they put so much into that first half um, it was probably the right time to, to make some changes um, but yeah I think if, if a player is performing well consistently in training I, th- I think regardless of who the manager is Lee Johnson or anyone else you, you have to reward that player otherwise they'll feel like they're walking into a brick wall all the time you know you perform well but don't get in you know what else can you do as a footballer did you see Corey Smith being on the bench? I was surprised by that. I was surprised Callum started just because of the fact he, he missed so much pre-season. Um, and, I, yeah, I was surprised that, that Corey didn't start. Um, the signs were there, of course, in the Bournemouth game. Um, Marlon signed his new contract in the summer. Uh, maybe it was something just because of the uh, the speed around the Nottingham Forest midfield, perhaps just getting Josh buzzing around that midfield. But, yeah, I was surprised. Um, do I think it'll lead to a changing of the guard in midfield you know Corey's been there a, a long time probably not um, and I think it'll probably be on a, a match by match or almost a rotation basis perhaps with, with Corey with Marlon with Josh um, because for, for once now with the abundance of wingers that Bristol City have you don't have to pigeonhole Josh into that right midfield role 
Yeah, it's good to have the options. And yeah, I've got two points to make on Corey. And um, I've got to see some open training when I was out in Marbella. And one of the things I got to see was basically they have like the grueling, I don't know if it's eight minute run that they have to do. And basically the players do as many laps of the pitch almost as they can do in that eight minutes and and they do it at pretty much high intensity and they're, they're literally sprinting around and I saw Dean Holden basically rollicking anyone who cut the corners don't cut the corners and um, yeah it was interesting to see because I saw that a year ago and Lee Tomlin was right at the back of that pack and um, yeah the poor chapeau did feel a little bit like it was maybe being hung out to dry a little bit there but in front of the watching media but obviously Lee didn't stick around that's another thing um, yeah and this time around uh, Milan was at the back there but I don't to be fair to Milan he was maybe well he's obviously been carrying uh, some knocks and he's really only just coming back to fitness but has obviously moved on now we'll come on to that um, but then Corey was not too far ahead of him so I just wonder if maybe he's had some lingering fitness issues or this is maybe part of the reason why Josh has got the nod in midfield at the moment but as you say the season is long you need options nobody's going to play every single game I, I very much doubt so uh, yeah we'll see I guess we'll see um, second point on Corey Smith is and maybe this leads us on to the, the juicy transfer stuff, um, is that now I believe, and you'll correct me here if I'm wrong, is that isn't it just Corey, Marlon and Frank from the 2015 double winning side left? Yeah, I mean, if you look back at the, the team that finished the back end of last season, and, and even in that sort of starting eleven, um, you had Frankie, you had Joe Bryan, you had Aidan Flint, Nathan Baker, who was who came under Steve Cottrell of course that team that you know the this, this season after they went up you had Marlon Pack you had Corey Smith you had Bobby Reed. so seven of of that 11 right at the back end of last season seven of those 11 were, were almost Steve Cottrell players but they were there under Steve Cottrell of course some of them signed under Sean O'Driscoll beforehand um, so even with all the signings that have taken place over the, the many windows with Lee in charge there was still that, that core beneath everyone who who were still there throughout it. And, you know, as you say, Joe Bryan's gone now, Aidan Flint, Bobby Reed. There are three big characters, you know, bearing in mind Lee Johnson was talking about needing leaders on the pitch um, that have been taken out of the team. Um, and, and even Frankie, of course, is not going to be around for the next three months playing. Um, so therefore, you know, is, is a huge bunch of players who have been taken out of that team. And um, I suppose it's it's over to the new guys. Um or even the uh, the younger guys, the, the Callums, the Joshes, um, to step up. It, you know, it's their time, I suppose, now. OK, well, let's get to the ins and outs of this transfer window. And Gregor, of course, what a big day for Joe Bryan leaving Bristol City. So, yeah, the Joe Bryan saga, incredible scenes. My understanding of what happened is that he was very, very, very close to signing for Aston Villa. Um, some people have said... That he, he had even had a medical up at, in the Midlands. Um, not too sure if that is correct or not, but he was certainly very close to signing with Steve Bruce. We'll never know, I guess, if Steve Bruce did actually chase him down the motorway. I think that might not be true as much as we'd like it to be. And, yeah, ends up at Fulham. Yeah, I think that's probably more a Twitter rumour than uh, than anything, the Steve Bruce one. But, uh, no, I was, I was actually working up in the, the BBC... Um, the day that Joe Bryan was uh, due to be at Villa and uh, yeah everyone was led to believe he'd passed that medical actually um, terms had pretty much been agreed as you'd expect from a, a club like Aston Villa I don't think there'd be too many problems with personal terms 
Um, but then in came that that phone call, um, an initial rejected bid, then an accepted bid, and um, ultimately, you know, you, you can't fault Joe Bryan for taking a look at an opportunity to go to the Premier League. Yes, Aston Villa are probably well set up now that the ownership has, has changed slightly and they've got some money behind them again. Um, but ultimately, it's the, it's the Premier League now at this very moment with Fulham. And uh, it's a great club. I think he's, he's sort of said in his initial comments on joining about the way they play football. I think everyone admires the way that Fulham play football and I think that suits Joe Bryan's game. Um, so, yeah, you know, I was chatting to a few people yesterday saying, oh, Aston Villa, yeah, be a good club for, for Joe Bryan. But... And people were saying, you know, surprised it's not it's not Premier League. And I did say then, well, it's not too late yet. You know, transfer window hasn't closed. It closed at five o'clock, and uh, and lo and behold, I get a message, and uh, he's he's then on the way to to Fulham. And um, I think you guys you guys broke the story that he was a uh, hot footing it to Craven Cottage, and uh, no surprise at all. Albeit it's taken all day, uh, maybe to do some of the uh, keepy uppies that Joe's been sporting on the Fulham website, but. Um, fantastic move from him you, you can't fault him he, he absolutely deserves this move to the Premier League some great moments in his Bristol City time um, from you know growing up and, and coming through the first team the goal against Bristol Rovers goal against Swindon in the, the promotion season of course you know the goals against Palace and then Manchester United last year um, he'll leave Bristol City with some great memories uh, but again he, he deserves all the acclaim he gets and he deserves this opportunity in the Premier League yeah yeah um... I mean, Villa, I don't think the Villa fans can be too despondent because, OK, yeah, they've lost Joe Bryan, but then they did keep Jack Grealish on the last day as well. So maybe that's a, a silver lining for them. But, yeah, as far as Joe Bryan's concerned, then, um, yeah, top move for him. We all know he's a great guy. He deserves this move. Uh, I, I saw um, John Pemberton say a while ago that he thought Bryan could play for England, and I know he had that call-up for Scotland. But um, what do you think about Bryan's ceiling? I mean... I, I, I honestly think he, he might have a point there, Pemberton, though, because there's, it doesn't seem to be a, an abundance of top-class left-sided players in the country. Yeah, I mean, Danny Rose might even be moving out of, of Tottenham uh, and going abroad, potentially. He, he seems to be a little bit further away from the, the England squad at the moment. Um, one thing for certain, Joe Bryan won't be playing for Scotland. Um, he said many times since that one call-up, which unfortunately he got some concussion, so he couldn't actually go and take the call-up. Um, but he did say after it, he sort of, in the back of his mind, he thought, I'm not Scottish. Why would I go and join up the Scottish squad? Much to uh, Scott Murray's disappointment. Um, so, yeah, what is his ceiling? He can be, I believe, as good as he wants to be. You know, he puts in a lot of hours. He comes from a very sporting, very talented family. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't rule it out uh, now he's in the Premier League. Yeah, we'll see on that. Um, and if he did, it'd be a, a great credit to the Robins and uh, coming through the City Academy and uh, yeah, growing up in BS3 and playing all the years at Ashton Gate. So we'll keep an eye on that. So yeah, I think the big thing for Bristol City fans today, obviously, well, obviously Joe Bryan leaving, but on a, a uh, the bigger picture is that Bristol City have lost arguably their three best players this summer. Um, what do you? What's your take on that, Adam? And also, I mean. Have you managed to get over Joe Bryan going yet? Oh, I'm absolutely uh, delighted for Joe, delighted for Bobby and delighted for Aidan in, in their moves and the, the opportunities they've got. Um, I think if you go back to what Lee Johnson said, um, back end of last season, it's going to be a difficult summer for Bristol City. I don't think this, if truth be told, deep down for, for any Bristol City fan, 
would be surprised that those three players have left Ashton Gate this summer. Um, maybe there's some surprise about the kind of clubs they went to. Certainly Aidan staying in the Championship with Borough. Um, however, you know, Joe's got his move to the Premier League and Bobby Reid's got his move to the Premier League. So you, you can't um, hammer them for, for leaving to the top flight. Uh, and equally for Bristol City on their side of it, they've got good deals out of it. Um, you look at the money they brought in. Aidan Flint, you know, rumoured six million. Bobby, nine million. Joe Bryan, six million. I think Hoarder's anything up to three million pounds. Um, Milan is just shy of a million. I suppose the only fly in the ointment was Gustav Engvall, who I understand left for two hundred and fifty thousand um, pounds. You know, when Lee Johnson proudly announced we'd signed Gustav Engvall for two point five million uh, live on on Radio Bristol, I don't think he would have envisaged um, Gustav leaving the club for. 10% of that just a, a few years later but you know we all know Gustav had a difficult time at Bristol City in terms of getting into the first team and, and nailing down that place that's why um, the likes of Nicholas Eliasson need to go the opposite way and now they've had that 12 month period really need to, to break into it so in terms of the outgoings you know that's that's circa £25 million pounds, which is um, a, a very good income for Bristol City, bearing in mind how much Steve Lansdowne this week alone has put in um, in terms of uh, clearing off the debt I suppose uh, and turning it into shares Um, he also did that earlier in the season, we're led to believe as well Um, a tweet from the financial controller of Bristol Sport confirmed that so £25 million in is is fair game for Bristol City, it's fantastic for the club and they've reinvested £10 million of that roughly um, to get some replacements in who you'd hope um, can step up but it's a it's a massive massive hole to fill because you know Joe Bryan Aidan Flint two two key people in defence and Bobby Reid um, a 20 goal striker from last season they're, they're going to be difficult to replace aren't they yeah, I think it's a really good point you make about the um, characters of these guys as well. The leadership that maybe the the club needs. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, isn't it? I mean, I look at the squad now and um, maybe think they've maybe got a, a bit more depth in some ways, but I'm not sure their first eleven is as strong, maybe, as, as it was before. Do you think that's a fair assessment or do you see it a bit differently? I think it's a fair assessment at the moment because, obviously, we haven't seen a lot of these players play regularly we don't know how they're going to gel together um, as I said before you know seven of that team had been together for so long they had gelled they did know how each other played played to each other's strengths etc so I think yeah at, at first sight it does look a, a little bit weaker in that sense um, I agree with you on the squad itself um, I suppose the two gaping holes at the moment maybe is is one more goalkeeper with Frankie being injured and, and Max having to step onto the bench when I think everyone assumed he'd be going out on loan um, and, and now with Milan going sort of almost five minutes before the deadline itself and no one coming in um, I would envisage the loan market which of course is open to the end of the, the month um, like the transfer window used to be I would envisage a goalkeeper coming in on loan I'd envisage a, a striker coming in on loan just to, to bolster that because you know, with Famara not being available till September, um, you know, you've got Matty Taylor and you've got Andy Vyman, effectively. Um, Jamie Patterson, of course, has been playing in this number 10 role. Uh, Mo could potentially play up top, potentially comes off the wing. Um, there's no issues with wingers. Got an abundance of them now. Adauda, Lyerson, Watkins, um, who's 
unfortunate, suffered concussion on the very first night in Marbella. Um, an uneasy little slip and, and all of a sudden you, you know sort of your start to the new club has been uh, waylaid but hopefully he's he's back soon um, and obviously uh, Hakeem from, from Scunthorpe has been sidelined for a long time but overall with, with Mo as well I think they've got enough uh, wingers defence is, is also strong uh, I suppose the only question mark if you, if you looked at the um, pathway that Bristol City always speak about you've now brought in Jay De Silva who's 20 years old and you've got Lloyd Kelly, who this may have been his time to shine. Um, could Lloyd Kelly's opportunity to shine be blocked by a teammate of his at England at twenty level? Um, you know, when Lloyd made his debut, um, Jay was actually in the same team. Um, so therefore, you're giving a, a Chelsea player potentially Lloyd's place in the team. I suppose that's the only question mark against the the ideology of the Bristol City pathway. Yeah, I, I, I hear you there. I think maybe um, maybe it's Lee wanting sort of two players to battle for the spot there isn't it but you're right um, it could take away minutes from Lloyd and that's obviously what we don't want to see from a a long term point of view Um, just want to mention a couple of things then I mean at the time of us recording this which is literally a couple of hours after deadline uh, I I believe that Bristol City are done for their work for today so there's not going to be any more permanent signings Um, but yeah as you say the uh, loan market is obviously open until the end of the month and we fully expect City to utilise that and um, yeah, definitely bring in a goalkeeper just to bring people up to spec with that. We asked uh, Dean Holden at the press conference about Stephen Henderson who's been training with the club and yeah, he confirmed that yeah, Stephen has been back at Bristol City this week. He's done a couple of sessions and he said that he personally hadn't seen too much of Hendo but uh, Lee Johnson and David Coles have obviously done a lot of work with him and they'll be making a decision about whether he's going to stick around permanently but yeah I wouldn't be surprised if, if they did bring in another goalkeeper whether it's him or, or somebody else on loan we'll have to wait and see Yeah I mean that's probably the one area where Bristol City probably hit a brick wall this this summer I mean with Henderson Stefan in, in the States recently Henderson's been on, on trial if you like although I know Lee Johnson will know all about him from his time playing alongside him in the same team um, and, and even Onwick uh, the Rangers keeper as well Bettinelli was mentioned today so all these keepers at Bristol City have been trying to get and in the end they've only ended up with uh, Nicky who, who started the season in goal because of, of Frankie's injury so I think that's probably the only one um, sort of spot where Bristol City have been thwarted uh, in the transfer market this summer I think probably the, the other targets um, and I'll, I'll talk a bit more about the change attack I suppose in terms of the way uh, Bristol City have gone about their incomings this uh, this transfer window you look at all the guys that have come in four of which have come from other championship clubs now you know you, you go back you've got your Codgers coming in your Dionis um, you know, Hegeler Jorich Magnuson, all from from foreign lands uh, and it just feels that they've, they've rode back completely from that maybe probably because of Luis Dione's disappointing time um, and just gone with almost tried and trusted championship experience and the other clever thing they've done you know to credit the club um, is they've, they've picked off players who are coming out of contract with their clubs in the championship so therefore they can do it at a good spending level um, and they've brought in guys who've got championship experience under their belt you know Marley Watkins um, Adam Webster Vyman and, and Jack Hunt have been good players in the championship already and they've all been brought in for for low money compared to what 
has been brought in for Aidan Flint or Joe Bryan or uh, Bobby Reid or, or Horda Magnuson. So in that sense, there's been a kind of change in tack of going away from bringing in an Eliasson or an Engvall and gambling on that player coming in from Europe uh, and having to adapt to the championship. And maybe that is what Lee Johnson is hoping will, will help Bristol City at the start of this season. Yeah, absolutely. And um, when I spoke to Lee Johnson out in Marbella, and it's something he subtly alluded to as well, that, yeah, maybe there was a slightly different transfer stat- strategy. And I believe he sort of mentioned something similar to Jeff Twentyman at the beginning of the summer when he was talking um, to Jeff on in a BBC Radio Bristol interview, um, hinting that maybe the club needed to look at how they were doing things. And, yeah, I guess... In some respects, does it look like it's a, it's a case of maybe giving with one hand but taking away with the other? Because, yes, they've changed the transfer strategy and maybe are bringing in more ready-made championship players. That's how Dean Holden referred to them on Thursday. But at the same time, they've, they've sold a lot of talent, haven't they, this summer? And I was going to just ask you about this. In terms of like the fees, it certainly looks like they've got a lot of money left over, should we say. But obviously, we know that Bristol City... Uh, still still require a certain amount of money I think it's fair to say well certainly judging by the last accounts um, in terms to keep them running um, in, in the right direction and, and above board um, Steve obviously has to invest quite a lot we, you, you said mentioned this earlier do you think that maybe there isn't any more money to spend I, and I completely um, admit we're, we're speculating here uh, but do you think that maybe the club hasn't got that much more money to spend, or do you think there's a case that maybe they might be holding some back and they're, they're going to see how this window goes, how how the squad goes from here, and maybe we might see a bit more spending on whatever's needed next in the January window, maybe next summer. Yeah, well, obviously at the moment they can't. All they can do is loan fees, I suppose. Uh, at the moment, they can do loans until the end of uh, August. Um, I, I think it's you know it's part of. Bristol City, you know, the same as the likes of Brentford or Preston, you'll bring in a player um, albeit you know, Bobby and, and Joe have obviously come through the academy, you'll bring in a player who is lower coming up, maybe like a Josh or a Callum, um, and then realise some profit on those guys, um, as you said £25 million in, spent about 9.6 going by you know, the, the reported fees for the, the players, so yeah, you're, you're talking you know 15 million pounds uh, difference um, does that mean all of a sudden there's 15 million pounds in the back pocket to go and spend well no because th- there are other things that has to be a running of a football club and, and ultimately um, you can't just go and splash the cash uh, like a perhaps a Wolves did last summer that's not the Bristol City way in any way shape or form so no I don't think come January there'll be this big splurge of cash um, and I don't you know I think there will be a couple of loans but I don't think they'll go overboard on loans um, I think it's more the Bristol City way of wanting to get to the Premier League um, whether it be this season next season season after whenever it may be they don't want to do it spending money they want to do it the right way um, I suppose the Bristol City way of bringing those players through bringing some money in and then improving the squad and you know who's, who's to say you know Marley Watkins might go for 7 million somewhere down the line or or Mo who's come in for a reported 1.5 could be a 7 million pound player again in, in two years time that's the Bristol City way I don't think it's the way to spend your way there So Adam what's your prediction of the eight signings which, which do you think we should particularly pay attention to any any particular tips um, I'm quite interested in how Adam Webster does to be honest I mean 
bearing in mind Bristol City have got six million in for Aidan Flint and, and Adam Webster I suppose comes into that role for 3.5 going back to the Bristol City way of doing things that's the, the right way um, is he going to be able to keep Bailey Wright out of the team um, you know he's already starting to bond with Nathan Baker in that centre back role and actually I thought he did quite well he's looked quite good in, in pre-season from, from the reports and from the, the Bournemouth game um, so it'd be interesting to see how he does and how he steps up into that role that's been vacated. That's a big role Aidan Flint leaves behind, um, not just in a defensive term, in goal scoring as well. Um, can Adam Webster add the kind of goals that, that Aidan Flint brought to Bristol City's team? Can he bring some of that leadership that Lee Johnson wants? Um, so I think he's probably one of the key recruits. How he, how well he does could, could really help Bristol City and, and see how well they do in the season. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I've really liked what I've seen of Adam Webster so far. And a couple of points that I'd add to that is that certainly from what I see from the Ipswich end is they keep referencing the, the big deal that they've done to sell Adam Webster. I think the fee is, well, I think it was reported as being something like 3.5 million, rising up to five possibly or something. Maybe there's more to it than that that we don't know. Um, but it certainly seems quite a big deal over in Suffolk and um, has certainly sort of helped uh, the Tractor Boys to bring in a few uh, well basically half the Shrewsbury team I think <laughs> but, um, yeah and as as far as Webster though uh, yeah from what I've seen of him in pre-season and first game it just looks brilliant at the back a really lovely controlling presence a bit of a different player as you say to Aidan Flint and um, certainly big shoes to fill just on Aidan Flint um, he's obviously coming back in a week or two did you see his goal midweek obviously his first one for Middlesbrough standard Aidan Flint wasn't it um, yeah get into the back post power that header in and um, wheel away in celebration obviously had a disappointing first start you know, he'll be the first to admit um, in, the, in the opening game with that backwards header it was nice to see him actually when the goal went in to equalise for Borough he was probably the first almost in the crowd uh, at the new den um, to celebrate that goal going in because obviously he felt you know, how important that, that goal was for, for him but also for Borough so yeah delighted to see him get off the mark nothing I'd, I didn't expect you know he's going to probably notch quite a few goals for Borough this season that's, uh, that's what Aidan Flint does yeah absolutely and one little story that I know from Flinty is just from the press conference this week that um, Dean Holden was saying that yeah he'd spoken to Flinty recently and I think Aidan has said so how are you going to deal with me on set pieces when I come back to Ashton Gate in a week and are you going to have three defenders on me Dean is that what you're going to do and so I know Dean Holden who obviously does the attacking set pieces is going to have to try and figure out a new routine um, certainly for uh, yeah defending and attacking actually it's Jamie who does defensive set pieces yeah I just hope I'm sure he will I hope he gets a, a rapturous reception I know obviously you need to make it hostile for the teams coming to Ashton Gate but I, I hope he does get the kind of reception he, he deserves for um, his time at Bristol City because uh, he was a great servant you know he arrived for I think it was reported to be around 300,000 back in the time and even Sean O'Driscoll went on radio and said that he, he probably wouldn't have even paid 300,000 for Aidan Flint back then well he's uh, he's become a, a double winner he scored at Wembley um, and he's been player of the month several times and now he's got Bristol City £6 million uh, from Borough to go and help you know spruce up the squad as well um, he's been a great servant for the club and I'm sure he'll get a, a great reception when he comes back in, in a week's time nice one so yeah let's just wrap up the podcast and uh, with with a last 
item on the uh, transfer window then let's let's try and summarize it a bit what what's your take on it overall then adam if you're going to sum it up in just a few words do you where do you stand do you think it's been give and take or do you see it a bit more negatively than that or or are people maybe looking a bit too closely at it and maybe should look at the bigger picture well i think it you'll only learn in, in the months to come of course it's very difficult when, when players sign ultimately fans immediately go oh it's a fantastic signing but they've probably hardly ever seen them, the players play in the flesh that much um, I know Steve Lansdowne went on record on the opening day of the season and said he, he felt that the squad was in a better situation now uh, with the players that have come in to freshen up the squad um, but as we said before you know, ultimately you've taken a, a big chunk of um, Bristol City history I suppose in, in recent times out of that squad um, and almost the spine you know Frankie not being around for, for three months Aidan Flint going Joe Bryan going Bobby Reed up top going um, apart from signing on Marlon Pack again and keeping that Corey Smith Marlon Pack in the middle you've taken up a big chunk of that spine out of the team which I can see why some supporters have said well ultimately it's been a, a disappointing transfer window but at the same time I, I think Bristol City are probably this this transfer have done it the right way in terms of getting enough championship experience that may make sure they're not worried about relegation whether it's enough to um, get a promotion push or even actually get to Steve Van Zang's stated aims of improving on last season's uh, 11th place finish and wanting to be 10th or above I'm not quite sure I'm not quite convinced at present um, however as I say the championship experience should at least uh, ensure that Bristol City aren't uh, worried about relegation I also think actually there are teams in, in this division that are far worse than Bristol City um, you only have to see Rotherham on the opening day Th- in my opinion I don't think they'll, they will be anywhere near that, that relegation but at, at present as things stand uh, a mid-table finish I think would probably be um, the par for the course of Bristol City but you know only only need to run like last season and, you know uh, also with this young team a bit of confidence in it and, and who knows what they could do yeah I, I completely agree with you I think I've said a couple of times myself I see this maybe as a year of consolidation for City in that they obviously last year they had a really good season the two years before that they obviously flirted with relegation and maybe it's not the worst thing if they just have a boring season in mid-table and I, I know some City fans will, will hate to hear that but, but maybe if they just take this year consolidate sit mid-table and then regroup add a few Adi- uh, yeah, um, sort of quality additions next summer and then go again from there they might be in a real position to challenge for the top six and I think that, that's maybe the way Steve Lansdowne sees it I, I do feel a little bit sorry for Lee Johnson in a way because um, obviously Steve said last week didn't he in his interview that he wants to build on 11th place in the table but at the same time he's selling off some of the key players and we've just said it we're not, we're not too sure at this moment in time whether the, the first 11 is as strong as it has been but arguably the squad might be so yeah as you say we'll wait and see but yeah great stuff nice to catch up with you Adam uh, hopefully we can make this a regular thing and have you on a few more times on the podcast so uh, yeah take it easy thanks very much Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much, Adam, for coming on the podcast. Adam Baker, former media officer, head of communications at Bristol City. Hopefully we'll have him on again soon. And thanks to Gregor. Join us next week for Robins on the Wire. And if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us. This podcast was sponsored by ELM Legal Services based in Bristol, who provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK. A standard single will is £99. You can call them on 0800 019 4557. Robins on the Wire.